Well, we're now joined by journalist Steve Hale, who's been following doping in sport actually very closely for the last couple of years. Um, Steve, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you've read the Sunday Times piece, and we'll just get your initial reaction firstly. Well, uh, no great surprise um, in that, uh, you know, I think there's massive problems across all sports in, in Britain, and there's, you know, there's a culture of steroid use in so many gyms across the country that, it, you know, it it is something that anyone who's an aspiring sports person comes into contact with and they think, well, if I can gain an advantage, why shouldn't I? And if the testing regimes aren't very effective, then they'll get away with it. And I don't think the testing regimes are very effective in team sports like rugby and um, football. Mm. But this isn't exactly like gyms. This is probably a level even higher than that, isn't it? This is people who are actually going out of their way for, I suppose an elite edge with basically a doctor that's charging you know basically over two grand per per athlete basically to to really administer this the different types of drugs sure i mean when i was referring to gyms i mean just in terms of the general culture yeah that exists now uh you know we don't know who these these premiership players are but um you know if the culture that they're they're they're, you know, if, if the circles they're moving in, if the gyms they go to, people are using steroids as they are, you know, so commonplace now, um, then they won't think, have a second thought about going to see a specialist doctor like this to get the sort of elite Rolls Royce kind of treatment. Um, you know, they won't think they're doing themselves any harm. They won't think that it's anything out of the ordinary because it isn't out of the ordinary anymore, um, sadly. Um, and and the thing I would say about it, I mean, the thing that really jumped out at me reading the piece, and that I, you know, a number of people have commented on, is the fact that the Sunday Times says, you know, UCAD, the UK Anti-Doping Agency, um, has got a six million pound budget, you know, funded by the taxpayer to to tackle this problem. And the thing that struck me about that was, well, six million pounds is is barely enough to employ one top Premiership player. Mm. Um, you know that budget is hopelessly inadequate how on earth are they supposed to tackle a problem on this scale with a budget that's so small i must admit i didn't really even though i've been looking at this area i didn't realize that ucad's budget was that small mm. and that's pretty shocking i think that was probably the most shocking thing in the article to be honest mm. that that they're so badly uh, funded well, we've seen. I mean, I think Arsenal are one of the one of the clubs that are um, that are kind of embroiled or are accused of being involved in this. And and while all the clubs have come out and said that this is not a club thing, the club have definitely not promoted this. It seems to be the players going off individually. But one of the things that Arsenal said when they released their statement was that they have their players are subjected to fifty random drug tests. Now, fifty random drug tests per player would seem maybe a bit excessive. That'd be basically one per week. But basically, if it's 50 random drug tests between a squad, if you look at these squads, they're about 25, 30 players per squad. That's basically only once, maybe even twice a season for some players. Mm. Yes. And, uh, I mean, yes, some some premiership squads are even more than that. I mean, I think Liverpool's got about 40 or so. Um, the, yes, I, I didn't haven't seen the Arsenal statement, I must admit, but... Uh, you know, the other question about that is is how random is random? I mean, it, when we've looked at this in other countries, um, we we know that people were getting tip-offs about so-called random tests. And you do need to have a regime where, you know, they are truly random and the, the tests are, are, you know, are conducted by 
you know, completely independent uh, organisations, so that so 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 that there's no doubt about it. Um, and this comes back to UCAD's budget again. You know, is it adequate for them to to do this? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that strikes me about this as well is I think the days of sports governing bodies being autonomous and uh, being able to kind of manage this themselves is now over. We've seen, you know, sadly through athletics, the way in which um, the International Athletics Federation became corrupted and was itself covering up, um, covering up positive tests as a result of people taking backhanders. Um, I'm not suggesting that the FA or Welsh Rugby Union or the Rugby Football Union in, in England are taking backhanders, but there's a conflict of interest inevitably in these sports. Their primary concern is the success of the sport and raising money for the sport through sponsorship and um, you know the success of the leagues and all the rest of it. What they don't want is it to be tarnished by problems with drugs. And so they have a vested interest in turning a blind eye to things. And I think that what we now need is, is government uh, to, to step in and say, right, we're going to fund this properly. And secondly, we're going to set up genuinely you know, independent bodies that are independent of government and independent of sport that are going to really uh, effectively uh, police these things. And, uh, you know, UCAD, um, I'm not saying UCAD isn't doing the best job it can within its budget, but, but it could do better, I think, if it had more money and if it had, you know, stronger powers. Um, because my understanding is that they're quite limited in the powers that they were given by when they were first set up. Um, but, they, you know, they need powers to intervene in what's going on in individual sports, I think, much more um, forcibly. I mean, some people, some people would turn around and say, well, does it matter? You know, I don't mind going to watch football if they're taking, you know, and knowing that some of the players are using steroids. What the hell? As long as it's a good game and it's exciting, what difference does it make? You know, it's less sensitive in a team sport than it is in a sport like cycling or, or, or athletics, where it makes a difference. It makes a direct difference to the outcome of an individual race. Um, but my concern in this is is not only the question of cheating; it's also the question of uh, you know the health of the athletes themselves who are damaging themselves by using steroids in ways that they won't realise until later life. Uh, Steve, you mentioned the Welsh Rugby Union and Football Association. Do you think that we've been naive to think that doping has been you know sectioned off to athletics and cycling? Oh yeah, incredibly so. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that there is a culture of denial in rugby, particularly about the extent of steroid use. Um, I mean, people talk about it privately. There's loads of whispers. You can't, you know, hardly a, a week goes by without me having a conversation with some new person who tells me some new story uh, about steroids in rugby. Um, but but nobody really wants to grab grab hold of it um, and 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 do something about it. I mean, in Wales, for example, you know, it's the national sport, and um, you know, it, it, it would just be too embarrassing to have a huge scandal about it. And yet, and yet, the irony is that the evidence is piling up through the number of rugby players who are now banned. I mean, out of the 55 or so on the UCAD 
currently banned list. I think 34 are from one code of rugby or, or the other uh, and from Wales or England. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's 60 odd percent of those who are banned are from that one sport. Whereas athletics, I think it's two or three, and cycling, it's a couple, and so on. So the irony is that turning a blind eye to it isn't actually working. So at some point, if not this year, in the next few years, it's going, you know, the scandal is going to be so great that they'll have to address it. And the sooner they grasp the nettle and address it, the better for the, for the sake of the sport. Yeah, you know. There's definitely a, a hush hush notion about rugby. I mean, there was a huge story about uh, Chile boy Ralapelli who was caught doping in uh, a South African player, but he was caught doping in France. Uh, he was banned for two years, but he's always he's already been assigned by a new South African club. I I thought I, th- I thought that you mentioned something interesting there about a an agency that isn't accountable to anybody in terms of uh, regulating doping. What I found interesting from the article at the weekend was is that. It's UCAD. It's the UK anti-doping, anti-doping that's investigating uh, British football teams. That it's the UK investigating themselves. Mm. Well, that, yes. I mean, this is where you know a further problem arises in terms of the, the national interest that surfaces. Um, sport has become a political, uh, you know, a political tool. It's important to the profile. You know, countries invest in sport in order to raise their international profile, in order to get prestige for the country and that sort of thing. And obviously, uh, you know, there's evidence that, that, you know, Russia has done, done that, turned a blind eye to or even colluded with uh, doping. Um, but we're, we're very quick to kind of, our media is very quick to attack what happens in Russia. But with the honourable exception of this piece in the Sunday Times, it's quite rare you get these kind of exposés of what's going on in Britain because there's too much pressure to not rock the boat um, and not damage your own country's interests and be unpatriotic and so on. I mean, you know, sometimes when I raise these questions, living in Wales, when I raise these questions about Welsh rugby, people say to me, well, you know, you're going to alienate people and upset people. And, you know, it's not the done thing to, uh, to look as if you're attacking the national sport. I don't think I am attacking the national sport because I think what I'm saying is in the best interest of the sport, that it should, you know, it should grasp this problem. Um, but, 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 you know, there are people who will t- say to you, you know, don't rock the boat. Steve, the the article didn't go as far as naming individual names. I know it named, uh, mentioned a few teams, but do you believe that the Times were worried of getting a lawsuit like Al Jazeera did with the Peyton Manning NFL accusations? And do you think it was because they admitted they had no independent evidence? Um, I, I, I think, I mean, reading the piece again, I, I, I think that, uh, uh, which I've just done, um, you know, they, they've been very, very careful in their yeah. choice of words. And, um, you know, they obviously do have names, but they haven't, they haven't named them. But they haven't, whereas they were a bit careless um, over the whole um, Radcliffe issue, uh, where they kind of, in effect, identified her uh, because, you know, they narrowed it down so much um, that led to her then actually being identified in in the committee in the House of Commons. 
Um, I think they've been much more careful this time. And, um, you know, may, 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 maybe that's because of the, the Paula Radcliffe experience. Um, they, they, they've, you know, they clearly had lawyers all over it. Um, but, uh, but, but, but it'll be interesting to see now that it, this is going to be followed up by, by the government and by UCAD. It'll be interesting to see what the weight of their evidence is. Because, I mean, the other thing, you know, the other side of this equation, of course, is that you can't um, ban people from sport without due process and without natural justice. You've got to have proper evidence. You can't do it on the basis of hearsay. And I, I've, I've been very sympathetic to Paul Radcliffe because I think, you know, she had a, there was sort of a trial by media with her, yeah. in her case. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we were talking about tests that had occurred 15 years ago in circumstances that wouldn't occur now. You know, they wouldn't take blood in in hot weather conditions immediately after someone had run, like they did with her, um, which means that the test is unreliable. Um, so, she, you know, she was having to defend herself um, in public in a way that I think is very unfair. So I think, you know, it's important that, that the media has a big role to play in exposing these things where, when it has evidence. Um, but, but the media, at the end of the day, is not the judge and jury and nor are we, you and me, sitting here chatting about it. Um, it's got to be done in a fair way with the person who's accused having a proper opportunity to defend themselves and, you know, clear evidence um, being presented. You you also mentioned the, the, the Russian athletes, but there, there's a race walker you may have heard of over here on this side of, of the water named Rob Heffernan, who re- recently was awarded an Olympic bronze medal after two competitors finished ahead of him, got caught doping. If you're putting everything and in, investing everything into the, a sport like he probably has, is it demoralizing for him to be awarded a medal so long after the competition on, his, on both scales of that a lot of the other competitors are doping and now, he, you know, he kind of knows that. And is it, it's nothing also compared to being awarded a medal on the podium? No, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jamie Bolsh is a good good fr- friend of mine and, you know, they were upgraded to silver when, uh, you know, for, was it the 1996 Olympics? Um in, in the 4 by 400 meter relay. I mean, um, you know, he's, he's got that medal, but, but he didn't actually have his moment on the podium. And I think that's very, very sad. And that's another reason why, you know, we owe it to clean athletes to, to really rid sport of, of, of this problem. Steve, you were talking about UCAD being somewhat limited in their actual power. From what I've kind of gathered, UCAD can only really go after the doctors and the practitioners in the prescribed bodies. So I'm assuming that is doctors within, say, the ORFU, doctors within the FA, doctors within such sporting organizations. So basically, from what I've gathered, they're, they're, they're kind of powerless in going after the Mark Bonners who are, who are independent doctors. That's also my understanding, but I'm sure that the phone has been red hot between UCAD and the British Medical Association because, as, as the Sunday Times piece quotes, this guy is, is acting outside of BMA rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, there will be situations, I guess, where 
different agencies and different organisations have to, you know, have to work together. Uh, you, you you can't give UCAD power over all the society. But having said that, and I'm not an expert on this, I have read stuff, comments by people who are more expert than I in this particular area of, you know, the powers that anti-doping agencies have got, who who have said that when UCAD was set up by the government, it was its powers were were were, were fairly limited, and so clearly that needs looking at. Mm. And finally, Steve, just before we let you go, um, in Germany, doping in sport is is a criminal offence. Um, so, by making doping in sport across the board a criminal offence, would that, in your opinion, eradicate the problem completely, or is it an unrealistic ideal? Because substances like EPO, they're actually recommended by the the WHO as an actual, you know, as a central part of healthy societies. But it's just that in sport. You know, when you take these substances, it's proven to be given an unfair competitive advantage. Well, I don't. I, th- I th- you rarely find with these things that sort of criminalising a, a problem like this actually solves it. And I, you know, I think that the um, there there are lots of methods that can be used before you actually uh, you actually criminalise something like this. And one of the things, uh, you know, I'd like to see is a much more vigorous awareness campaign aimed at teenagers to really sort of highlight the the dangers of steroids. But one of the problems before you even do that is that doctors don't seem to be able to fully agree that on the body of evidence that there is to show show the dangers. Anecdotally, plenty of doctors will tell you that they're treating rugby players in their late 30s and early 40s who are who are experiencing heart problems of one sort or another. Um, but, but if you read the literature, the research material, th- they, they haven't yet reached the standard of proof where all doctors will accept the health risks. So we could do with an investment in research so that we can conclusively say what the hazards are. I mean, I, I personally believe them because I've seen and heard about so many cases of people who've hit health problems but you need a scientific basis for that secondly you need the awareness uh, campaign um, and where the criminal element comes in is in the or, you know is in the organized groups that are actually peddling uh, steroids across society uh, mm-hmm. because that is already illegal you don't need to change the law to do that mm-hmm. uh, you know the police could go and do, you know raid a gym in South Wales tomorrow, and we'll have the law, you know, we'll have the law on their side if they find that there are big stocks of steroids that are being sold there. And and finally, Steve, um, without probably getting into criminal aspects, so it's in your opinion then that education would probably even be more of a deterrent to potential athletes than even say something like a lifetime ban. You think just the the, the problem, like if athletes were aware of of the real and legitimate health risks, that would even be more of a deterrent than something like a lifetime ban or or heavy heavy sentences. No, I I, I didn't mean to say either or. I mean I think still, uh, you know, bans bans have to be imposed where athletes are using. Um, performance-enhancing drugs. I was just talking about, I mean, there's a difference between banning somebody from sport for two years or four years or mm-hmm. for life and criminalizing uh, the the use of, by the individual sports person. Yeah. I wouldn't turn the individual sports person into a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the criminals are the people 
who uh, I mean, if, if the allegations in 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 the Sunday Times are true, then you might have a case for arguing that the doctor involved has behaved in a criminal way. Um, but that needs to be proven, obviously. But the law is already there that can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's abused his position as a doctor and has been giving people drugs that he shouldn't have been giving them, then, you know, they're already laws and procedures that cover that. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Steve. We really actually appreciate you coming on. Um, we definitely have a lot more insight and knowledge on the situation than, than I suppose any of us <laughs> three here. But we really appreciate your time nonetheless. Um, you can follow Steve um, at From Steve Hale. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much for um, and, coming and, on, and Steve. Don't, don't forget to read my book, by the way, Over the Line. Over the Line. Over yeah. the Line on Amazon. And it's on, a, is, a, is Kindle actually have a new, um, they've got like some kind of, I was reading on your Twitter, they have some kind of um, service that would be somewhat similar to Netflix? That's right, Kindle, uh, it's called Kindle Unlimited, and if you subscribe on a monthly basis, you can download as many books as you like, um, and you're not charged any extra, so in that sense, it's, it's a similar subscriber service, uh, service to Netflix. So, you know, that's good for someone who's a sort of avid, avid reader and, and reads quite a few books in the course of a year, but... If you don't, you can just individually download it on Kindle anyway. Fantastic. For a, for a mere £3.49. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the way the world is going, it seems. It seems it's a lot more economical anyway. Um, thanks very much, Steve. All, all the best. Really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks a lot. Thank Cheers. you. I know. So that was Steve Hale on the line there from, um, from The Guardian, amongst various other places. Someone that's been following doping in sport and doping in in rugby amongst athletics as well um, someone that's very insightful and has a lot of interesting thoughts on the matters uh, what are your guys opinions on the um, on the whole doping scandal um, I, I, I wasn't aware that the, the, the Sunday Times made a bit of an error um, with Paula Radcliffe um, mm. that they kind of were a bit too explicit in what, what they were revealing um, uh, I think they are very cautious when I first saw the, the actual article I thought you know Al Jazeera was it's it's seeming like they will probably lose their court case against Peyton Manning and I thought you know maybe they looked at that and said you know we can't 100% trust the Bonner Bonner fella the Bonner doctor so uh, but now you know maybe they're just being really really tentative in what they're revealing because they don't want to you know there's a lot of money that could be that could be going against them if, if this is wrong and if they name names, direct names. Now, I'm not sure if these soccer clubs are going to press charges. They have all come back and condemned the reports and kind of um, totally disagreed with with the with these findings, you know. Uh, but uh, there is a chance, you know. Um, no sport, you know, every every few years it seems like it's creeping more and more into sport. We're seeing more and more. Maria Sharapova, we saw, although... Some may debate whether it was that was innocent. Uh, if if she was, you know, she wasn't aware of of what, what happened. You know, we all have our kind of opinions on that. But you know, it's coming more into tennis. Baseball has been there for years and years. Cycling, um, rugby, it's creeping into more and more. So why why not soccer? You know, mm, do you not think it's more? I think it's more on the individual though than an actual systematic. Like I know there was a Chelsea fitness coach, I think, or was a strength and conditioning coach that was supported reportedly the link between football and this particular yeah. doctor. 
But I, I, yeah, like I'd, I'd have to think that it's more a couple of individuals who've seek this for whatever reason, whether they're coming at the end of their contract, whether they feel like they can get um, a, a, an increase in their performance. You'd have to feel it's more on the individual than the clubs actually going, getting everyone into a room and going, right, lads, this is what, what do you think about trying this? You know, uh, without being any libel, uh, <laughs> in a joking matter, I'm not accusing anyone, but some may say Leicester might, might, uh, Claudio Ranieri might have gotten them all into a room at the start of the season. No, no, def, I, I. <laughs> I think that's that's a bit more valid than what the claims are making, but uh, um, yeah, it's I, I think it's a few few people that might be on the edge of squads that uh, you know, they're seeing this as maybe their last chance, maybe their only chance to uh, break in and become a regular, become a, a you know a, a solidified professional, um, and I think that's what it is usually in most cases in most sports. Um, Although, you know, with Peyton Manning, it's his injury. He wants to get back because, you know, his, his, pardon about his back his, uh, his, was, was the three back surgeries I think he had in, in the space of, of a few years. So uh, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's systematic either. I, I, I strongly disagree with it. It's individual cases that have different reasons for, for everyone that, that you go along. I mean, Steve even spoke of rugby players coming at him in his late 30s and, and early 40s, probably only about 10 years after they retired. If they played professionally, some of them, some of those guys might be amateurs as well. But with regards to steroids, and, and, in, and not only steroids, but other PEDs as well, I suppose there's a certain sense of, um, even if there is heart disease, it might not necessarily stop young players from taking them certain young players because like we've even seen even in other things in life like smoking some people they, they probably won't even quit even though they know this has been proven it's a killer yeah I mean and if that's just that's just a casual relaxation thing you know smoking but with regards to actually performance enhancing if there's a chance of actually earning significantly more money it actually might not be a deterrent for some people well like uh, if you take steroids it, you are you're a high as a kite apparently you're supposed to be just absolutely bonkers walls. and crazy um, it is a drug it's it's not like it's it's this thing you just get strong there are you know side effects to taking things like this and uh, you know I, I think dollar signs you know that there, there are people that will do anything to be the best and make money and, and you know have all the f- fame in, in sport Um you know, maybe that's why Maria Sharapova, she was this prodigy as a teen and, and saw this as, this is improving her. And it wasn't illegal. You know, it wasn't for all these years. And mm. they finally did make it illegal. But did she know it? Did she not know it? I keep going back to her, but that's just one of the most recent, you know, identifiable cases that we're aware of. I thought that she did know it. I thought that she was given multiple warnings that this drug was going to be uh, legal, I- illegalized. And she continued to take it. it, it the, the drug yeah. that I can't the name escaping me, but the drug that she was taking was to was on a uh, legitimate medical basis was only supposed to be taken over this period of time, like antibiotics. Yeah, it's right. not a it's not a drug for life that you need like insulin. It's just something to enhance or like to to improve recovery over like an illness. Where she was taking it on a constant basis for years. Mm. She also used this uh, an excuse, whether it's true or not, I'm unsure of. Like, she has a her family has a hereditary diabetic problem, and uh, she was taking this to kind of combat that. Now, there was a few people saying that this isn't going to do the, um, make any significant difference to her getting or not getting diabetes. But I think the this this drug was was legal until last year, and. She's trying to put. I think she's trying to play the whole. Uh, I didn't know it got put on the ban list. La, uh, the, I think it was the end of last year. But uh, 
Uh, I'd say her doctor would have made her well aware of of uh, she knew that this joke. I think she knew that this joke was putting her ahead of the game, and uh, then but it that's got what banned. athletes do though. Is yep. they're always looking for any kind of health or um, like, even if you look at those cry- cryotherapy treatments where players instead of going to ice baths now they go into these kind of like um, Chamb- chambers, chambers yeah. yeah that go to a minus one hundred and forty degrees. Like mm-hmm. that's legal, but it's, but it's obviously it's it's a competitive edge. Uh, it's a physical edge. You know? uh, Manny Ramirez, a baseballer uh, with the Boston Red when he was at his at his prime uh he was found taking female hormones which kind of uh like with with the, with the st- yeah he, um uh ingestion and 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 um it was the st- it was kind of covering the fact that he was also taking peds you know mm. so um but he got caught rotten for that and uh the the, the media <laughs> horrible player horrible person uh as a Yankee, new york Yankee fan loved when when these things happen to players like that but uh, other than that you know it just shows they'll go that extra extra mile too far to get to get um ahead of the competition but like if we found out that like say tiger during his grand slam wins and roger federer during his grand slam wins they were all taking meldonium yeah just because it gave them a competitive edge like i think we just don't we wouldn't see a problem with that because it was legal at that stage yeah. you know what i mean we don't it's unless i think we put a lot of trust in the in these sporting organizations and the drug regulators that they get they get it right obviously with steroids we've known for decades now that steroids is you know it's a clear competitive edge and that if you take steroids you're cheating but well stuff like meldonium yeah like if if i think it's more that you're breaking the rules isn't it yeah that you're breaking the laws that are in place. But you see other cases where, you know, a cough bottle or something like that, they have a, a you know, they're taking, you know, antibiotics or something that are, is really helping them with maybe, a, not a medical condition, but an illness for a, maybe maybe a slightly prolonged period of time. But And then they're getting cough for that, and you're like, why? how is that giving them any sort of edge? Um, uh, a lot of athletes have been tripped over that, you know. They, they, and then there's this, but we, they say I should have known. But like, how is this? How am I being banned for this? Uh, there is a, there's a case in in, in DCU that, that something similar happened happened. Uh, uh, but uh, even even on international level, uh, that that happens all the time. And uh, maybe they need to just start thinking of you know substances that you know give them in a an edge over over the competition which I keep saying and I need to stop but uh, you know <laughs> there has to be a line between if I take this it's going to make me better than them or if I take this it's going to make my health improve you know mm. Um, mm. with Tiger and and, and Ra- Ra- um, Rafa or not Rafa Ra- Roger Federer uh, if that happens are we going to be complaining I don't know yeah, because, I mean, if they found, like, say, we, we looked at their old drug tests and we found yeah. that there was positives in meldonium, mm-hmm. but it was legal at that stage, so we don't, you know, we're not going to scorn them, because basically we expect we expect very top-edged athletes to be taking every competitive edge they can, whether it be cryotherapy, whether it be yeah. supplements, uh, fish oil out the wazoo, you know, we don't really, we expect those guys to be taking all that stuff because their bodies are their careers, but... I think yeah, it's it's. I think it is, especially with the Sharapova case. If you know it's illegal, um, but then there's also what if she became a dependency on that? You know, where mm-hmm. it's during the legal she relied on it so much, and then when it comes illegal, she might have you know a sudden withdrawal or the there might be insecurity. So it's it's definitely a touchy, a touchy subject. Yeah, and if if it gets into soccer, do you think? Like it's a sport that's been so tarnished already with FIFA. Mm. Do you think that it loses near all comp- um, uh, credibility as a sport with with 
you know financial um issues we'll say uh with now performance enhancing whether if this is true or not if this is true i think this is a huge dark dark cloud that football will find it very very hard to bounce back from i think there's certain sports that you just can't take down i mean if we look at the nfl the, the just the litany of different issues yeah. that's come from like fining guys for, for attributing breast cancer um giving ray rice a two-game suspension for knocking his girlfriend out cold in an elevator but then tom brady gets a four-game suspension for you know deflate slightly yeah. deflating an american football when they won 45-7, you know, and again, they scored three running touchdowns. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that sport has survived every single, um, every single allegation, and even football, football's surviving, you know, widespread corruption. So there's certain yeah. sports, I think, that are just, they're so big, and they're so widely followed, that no matter what really the allegations are, it's, you know, the badge or the, the, the logo is bigger than basically any allegation that can sometimes that we, you would think would take down a sport well we go back to what Steve Howell was saying people are afraid to you know brandish a f- you know for example Wales's national sport you know he, he like people have said to him how dare you and all this but look at golf Dustin Johnson has been banned twice and nobody knows for certain why there, there's been talks that it's been cocaine use but the PGA Tour are under no obligation to publish if these um long-term absences um absentees are drug related family related they don't have to do there is a huge transparency issue in golf and i'm not saying uh, that tiger woods is under is is very similar to this situation but to how many times has he gone these leave of absences for mm. long periods of time uh it's scary to think you know that a sport could be trying to hide these things just to just to keep their brand image up you know I suppose it also comes down to a talent level, though, too, doesn't it? Because if you look at the UFC with John Jones, the yeah. cocaine cowboy, basically, <laughs> you know, he's going on, he's going on, uh, you know, benders like right before, you know, two weeks out from a fight, like in the middle of training camp, and he's, he's, he's going on, he's had, uh, he hit a woman and nearly killed a woman in an intersection, you know, while he was driving, while he was high, he was, um, what was the other thing he did? He had a big. Uh, press conference brawl with Daniel Cormier before their last fight like these the accumulation of things would basically have any other UFC fighter sacked yeah. but given his level of talent and given his worth to the company I'm sure him coming back was it, one of the biggest huge. things yeah, yeah in that sport yeah absolutely uh, yeah no um I suppose it, it's it's corruption in a corporate level I, um if this is all true um it's, I still am sceptical about reports like this um, that they, they weren't confident in naming names if they had the hard evidence why don't they just publish it um, mm. well, especially if they put that much time already into it you know because this guy could have come up to him and said look I've done all this that and the other and they could have kind of half checked him out and said oh, we don't really trust this guy they obviously have published this saying we have a large amount of faith in Bonner Um so why don't they just you know lay out their hand and say this is what we've got um we've we've evidence that this that and the other that's why I'd be skeptical about reports like that which I am after Al Jazeera like Al Jazeera the 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 doctor that they got uh, then said um to uh I think it was investigators that uh, oh I just gave them slipped them them names that never happened you know and mm. um, how can you be so sure if these if this Bonner fella is telling the truth or not uh it's a very strange one you have to be very very sure to publish things like this and 
let's hope for sports sake that they're wrong but maybe they're not well I think I think um, them publishing the names is a clear indication that they don't trust this, exactly. this guy and that maybe yeah. that they just want a headline or maybe that they're hoping that this headline I mean here we are talking about doping when was the last time we mentioned doping uh, in sport you know it's been a it's been a good while so it's, it's just bringing back the topic of of illegal substances in, in sports so you know they've released this and Chelsea was one of the uh, the yeah. clubs that was uh, hinted at has been he's been involved with Chelsea I think were one of the most vocal in terms of their uh, denial they said we have yeah. we have no history with this guy I d- we don't even know who he is um, so they've come out and said it. so it's Chelsea's word versus his word so I don't know if he if he is legitimate if they because if they did have hard names okay he might have names but you know are they still doping now if they if he said you know here you're after doping they went and they tested him and he wasn't it just loses all credibility so maybe they had enough for a, a headline and for an article but not for you know future uh, for further investigation what I thought was interesting again talking about you know corporate and looking after yourself is that Steve mentioned that UCAD's budget is only 6 million the mm. people who are running from uh, doping allegations have will always have a budget that's going to be higher and will yeah, exactly you see that the he talked about wages not even the wages of one player and then what? that's why I asked him I asked you know do you think it's interesting that the UK are you know investigating British football yeah, teams there's a conflict there there's a, there's def- there's mm-hmm. a definite conflict there and I that's I'm not sure if the World Anti-Doping Agency just release uh, the substances that aren't allowed or if they're the ones who are investigating because I think it should definitely be an outside source well Steve's absolutely right and it does actually come down to funding, to funding um, and to money 6 million for a national body to investigate all of the UK with the amount of athletes they have across all the different sports it, it's simply it's simply not enough money and I think it, it, it depends how big the organisation and the country views the problem for instance go back to the UFC the UFC had a very big problem like a huge problem where all these fighters like you're talking about like great fighters like Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort like they're all tested positive so the UFC was ruining the image and was tainting the images of the sport that this was becoming like cycling where it's just widespread (laughs) so what they did was they just they made an executive decision that they're going to really handle this problem they get a bunch of guys who were involved in taking down the cyclists I think Jeff Nowitzki was one of them and they they're having they had more drug tests in one month in January than the Irish rugby had an entire year Yeah, it's like Irish rugby had about 50 rug- tests during an entire year across the, the board and UFC has something like 130 within the month of January so it's like the Conor McGregor's been tested and Joe's out they've been tested six times in the last six yeah. months you know so each, each rather yeah. than just one or twice a season so it depends how big the sport views it and like say with rugby look as much as, as what Steve was talking about with regards to um with regards to there's a culture in, in gyms and there's a culture amongst like academy players when they did the post analysis World Cup test there wasn't one positive test Yeah. so it's like you know it's it's how big of a, of a problem do you view it I mean rugby aren't going to throw all this money at it if there's no positive tests and if they're doing random tests at the World Cup and there's no positive tests is there really you know yeah. are you really going to go after it and talking about rugby um, a report came out that an Italian player in Italy's third division mm. was uh, found taking 12 substances mm. seven, uh, six of which were uh, anabolic steroids and six of which were uh, chemi- you know tablets and chemicals that were hiding the effects of it mm. um, you know Steve talked about you know 60 odd percent of the people on the UCAD's uh, doping scheme are Welsh rugby players or, or were definitely Welsh I mean are we do we 
do we care as much at that level? You know, or, or they are the people who are in these gyms where it's not, you know, it's not fine. Yeah, well, they're not the people that are paying sixteen hundred pounds for the exactly you know, the, so the programs. You know, at this level, are we care? I mean, definitely, if you know the Welsh captain of, of the you know rugby team or you know or the one of the provincial sides like you know Ospreys or Scarlets or Cardiff or whatever were found doping then yes of course but if we're talking about you know something or other Williams back in you know Clan Dewey Brevi and he, you found that he, he's taken you know steroids do we well, do, they, do they care for like they're going to see Dr. Mark Bonner so they can get <laughs> like they can get professional help they're not going to see Turbo in the corner of the gym you yeah. know he's wearing sunglasses and like <laughs> enjoy it you know he, he's dealing it out of the boot of his car I mean that's what they're going for they're going for a medical assurance that they're going to have some level of not only anonymity but they're also going to be given stuff that's going to be you know, basically medically aligned and it's not going to give any kind of adverse effects. So it's interesting. But if you'd like to have your say on the topic, you can always tweet us at DCUFM Sport or alternatively at DCUFM. And we're very much, thank you very much for listening to, to this week's podcast. I'd like to thank Brain and, and also Billy for their contributions as well. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And now we're moving on to soccer and Gavin O'Callaghan, our, uh, our Newcastle fan, has joined me. <laughs> Gavin commiserations against your cup your cup final against Norwich you know the the cup final the, the, the this cliche that they use yeah it wasn't it wasn't great at all to watch now a bit of heartbreak at the end but oh, I'm very very pessimistic for Newcastle United's future right now there's six points off the mark but you'd imagine that Norwich have the momentum now to pull away which means realistically if Newcastle are going to get themselves out of these relegation positions they're probably chasing the nine point gap with Crystal Palace and this is two games now, Norwich just on Saturday, Sunderland the week before, where they we've played two six-pointers and we've only come away from the game at one point between the two matches. It's not good enough, things aren't looking great and I can't see a way out for them now. Um, a, few, a week or two ago there was a talk with Mike Ashley, you know, saying he doesn't have any, there's no money in the coffers, don't blame him, but he says he's going to stick with stick with it and... Uh, He's the man. Well, all right. Obviously, you're not a huge fan of Mike Ashley. I don't think he's to blame this year, though. We've been blaming him every other he's year for anything old. that's ever gone wrong. But sure, he <laughs> he invested this time. He's eighty million in the last two years. Is it? Yeah. Well, at the end of last season, he came on Sky Sports, and it was the first time I've ever heard the man speak. <laughs> I think he had done one TV interview before that, and he said, "I'm staying here till we win a trophy. I'm going to invest the money." Um, I'm going to give it my all and this is just after that emotional last day where Jonas Gutierrez came back from cancer to save us from being relegated and to be fair to Mike Ashley he did he, he bought Georgino Wijnaldum he, he brought in Mitrovic he brought, brought in Mbemba and really like as a whole you know not just even focusing on one area but all around strengthened the squad but it just hasn't been happening for them since the start of the season it's just we're waiting every single game there's only so many times you can watch a team and say Ah, Mitrovic, he's played really well. He's 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 unbelievable. Jose Perez has shown a lot of character. Gino Wijnaldum is kind of disappearing a bit, but Jan Mas had started the season mm-hmm, yeah. so well as well, and Rob Elliott is making numbers of brilliant saves. But how many times are we going to go through this where we'll say, you know, we almost but didn't actually win the race and we didn't get the points, and maybe the next game we'll we will, but we, they never do. Shelby and Townsend for twenty four, twenty five million. Was that a mistake? I think it's too early for Townsend. Shelby looks all right so far, but to be honest, it's um, 
it's kind of a process we've seen with him where he started brilliantly with Liverpool and he mm-hmm. scored a few important goals and then kind of like another year down the line to, he kind of seemed to have discipline issues and then he went on to Swansea and again he had two two great seasons of Swansea and then these issues again seemed to pop up where they seemed to want to offload him his role with Newcastle has been very very different he hasn't even scored a goal yet for us but he has been playing an attacking midfield role because that's kind of taken up by Momo Sissoko and Wijnaldum so Shelby's been sitting back in the defence of mid and he's been putting in the tackles he's been making a lot of brilliant passes and putting in a lot of effort but as far as a longer term player goes he it seems inevitable by his track record that he's just not going to last we might get a good season out of him maybe if you're lucky too but after that he'll be gone anyway who do you think would actually like stay Oh, who do you think will stay and who do you think will go because if they get relegated you have to imagine which Naldum is out of there will Rafa stay um, well they sat Rafa down in the boardroom and they, they asked him straight out they said listen Rafa if Newcastle get relegated would you stay with us would you consider staying for the championship and his reply was they're not going to get relegated Completely go around the answer, really. He's that's just yeah. incomplete. Like, yeah, it's it's want. what you want to hear, but it doesn't give us any kind yeah. of indication. But, I mean, because his real, his real talk. I I no. I am not as confident as Rafa Benitez right now, <laughs> looking at the table in front of me. But um, it's not the answer you want sitting in the boardroom. No, <laughs> the boardroom just wanted to know. That, uh, listen, that the answer, answer you want the press. Yeah. 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 Should should we have someone lined up here or not? Like, yeah, you know? yeah exactly. This, you know, yeah, I'd love, thing, you know, I'd love him to stay moment. if they get relegated. I don't think he's going to be the man to blame because he just hasn't enough time. It's kind of like yeah. that the no. fans that blame Shearer for the last time we got relegated when Shearer didn't even have nine games in charge. You yeah. know, it's not really. But who do you think would actually go? Like, because I don't think they they keep which them Sissoko's gone. Sissoko has to be gone. Daryl Yanmas has been playing that well the last few games and you kind of get a sense now that he's tried his heart out for the first half of the season things still aren't going well and he's, yeah. he sees a lot of players around him just not making the effort and I think he's just being sick of being in a team that isn't trying as hard as he is Doombie would be gone he'd be on the first point in China <laughs> yeah, he'd probably. absolutely be gone yeah he hasn't been getting a lot of game time though apparently there is some kind of massive clause in his contract about being paid by the game which would explain why he's only been on the bench so far this season oh, really? yeah apparently he gets huge huge money when he starts so <laughs> it kind of makes sense that they're kind of waiting for him to hit full but fitness after the year because you can imagine with the obviously the TV deal and then the amount of people that they get through St James's Park every week you can imagine I don't yeah, think no, they're not in. They wouldn't be in financial trouble now. I think they they just want to be a little more economic about it because he has been playing in Russia, which would have a long winter break, and I just don't think they want to play him and pay him this kind of cash when they they're not fully confident he's fit yet. Mm. Um, but I'm not too worried about the goals now because Mitrovic seems to be popping up with him. Like even though yeah. at Anderlecht he was he was only a second striker and he's not at all supposed to be prolific, but he scored three goals in two games now, and he's by far the most passionate of players in that squad, but. One man's not going to do it. Yeah. What do you think? The Premier League is going to be at a loss without a team in the northeast. Yes, yeah, Sunderland not looking too great either. Still looking better than us though. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not saying much though. Mm-hmm. That's not saying much. No, I might get cheap dick- tickets for that time where there'll be next season in the Championship. Sure, we'll have Middlesbrough as well, so there could be trips to the Riverside and everything. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see how out of Norwich Sunderland Newcastle I can't see how two of those teams would ever get out I mean Crystal Palace are on 34 points so they're they're only 7 points clear of Sunderland Sunderland 
they got a draw again. Who was it they drawed with on West Sat- Brom? West Brom. Brom. So yeah, Norwich. We'll talk about that. Really so Norwich beat team. West Brom. We lost to well, we beat West Brom at home and lost to them away. And Sunderland have got the draw with them, but they are kind of picking up points here and there. Um, Alan Pardew must be getting quite nervous about Crystal Palace because they have Norwich coming up now, and Norwich will be very very eager to overtake them. And if he loses that game, he will be the next one in trouble, or he will kind of have to keep an eye out for Sunderland creeping up behind him it's crazy though you know he was having an absolutely spectacular time even the, the, the half, first half of the season but it's a good thing that it went for Chelsea if both North East teams get um, relegated because they're the two bogey teams for, for, yeah. my, for my club you know, manage it this season. that dirty journey up there but from London but uh, looking more up the table Bournemouth and Watford Jack like that is another success story that's gone under the radar because of Leicester and Spurs. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Eddie Howe's been so exceptional to do with that with that Bournemouth team, and they're basically they're playing in a stadium that only has like I think it's like eleven thousand. It barely made so the. It was definitely not off. made for Premier League purposes, but it's he's done them an exceptional, and it's also with that like the guys like they've had like Callum Wilson, you know, their main striker who's been injured for the whole. Got a hat trick the second game of the season and got injured for the. Mm. Right yeah, the so I mean, what he's done, and he's even—I mean, we love him over here because he's obviously flying the Irish flag. Mm-hmm. You know, Kane's there at the weekend, but I mean, do you want to do you want to start in a four-nil route where you know, <laughs> so your city absolutely dominating you? So, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, they've been they've been very good under under Eddie Howe, and I think. With another season um, in the Premier League, they look kind of destined. I mean, you'd have to say eleven points clear with what seven games to go, uh, six games to go. Um, you'd have to say that they're clear. And I think I'm really interested to see how they're going to do next season, actually, because with I think the the TV deals have to go up again. Yeah. Um, I think with the more money that he's given, I'd be really interested to see the type of players they bring in. Moving on to my next, to um, my next. Just before we move yeah. on from Bournemouth, what do you like? We overlooked them last week when we were talking about the Euro squad, but Harry Arter. Mm. How do you think he he will fare? Will he be on the plane? Do you think he'll be on the plane? I think he has to be on the plane. Yeah, I think he's been too good. Like, like I keep on going back. The most, I think it's it has to be the most overinflated um, mm. comparison I've ever heard. But I think he was compared to a mobile Andrea Perlo by <laughs> Terry Butcher early in the year. So I don't I know Terry Butcher often had like you know he had the tape around his head. So maybe he got one too many head knocks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, exactly, good thing. Because, like, but Ada's actually good, not taken away from him. I mean, we watched that Manchester United game, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And he has been very good over the season. I have some question marks over his defence, but I definitely think he'd be given a chance. Because, I mean, if you look, look what happened against, um, was it Switzerland on the Friday night? Where you mm-hmm. had, uh, it was Stephen Marler, sorry, Stephen Quinn and David Marler starting you in field. I mean, neither of those guys are the answer if, if no. McCar- anything happened to McCarthy and Whelan. So I definitely think Ada he's definitely in line you like him in that deeper role do you I don't know it it, it depends because I even think he's one of the more players that would be more confident in the ball and I really think one of the only guys that we have that is exceptionally confident would be Wes in the centre role I know McLean and McGeady can do things that well but centrally in terms of being able to to pass and be comfortable in the ball I think Ada would definitely be suited to that role so I could see him actually being somewhat of a number 10 but Wes Hoolan is also getting on in, in years as well like Maybe he's the the replacement. He's there to the that that CAM, you know, the center attacking midfielder role. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd. I mean, that's that's one to even think. But I mean, I even think Alan Judge could be suited towards something like that. I mean, he's. Yeah. So I know Brentford aren't doing great in the championship, but he's scored like fourteen goals and had nine assists. But I asked Martin about it. You know, was he ever tempted to? to kind of put Judge in the centre because he was struggling on the wing against Switzerland in his debut and he was just like in the centre and I was just like yeah he's playing the centre for, for Bournemouth or for Brentford this season 
You know, he's, he played 23 games as an attacking midfielder. And my yeah. goes, I haven't seen him in the centre for, for Brentford when I've been there. <laughs> and I've gone, <laughs> hang on, is he trying to make life difficult for me or is he genuinely not know that Alan Judge <laughs> has been a centre <laughs> midfielder? Because I don't know which is more worrying, you know? I definitely, I'd rather him be, you know, just difficult with me than not know that Alan Judge can play as an attacking midfielder. So, <laughs> the guy's got 14 goals and 10 assists, so, and then they haven't all come from the wings. Yeah, so. well, it has been a position that, you know, Ireland has kind of, you know, found it difficult to kind of trust because we've usually been a 4 4 2 kind of side or 4 3 3 at the best of times. But moving on, you talked about the TV deal that these smaller clubs are going to be getting and going to be investing. Chelsea and Liverpool at the start of the season were not envisioning envisaging this that they were going to be tenth or ninth. Last year, Chelsea they they thought they were going to make the quarter final. They projected that they were going to make the quarter final of the Champions League. They only made the last sixteen, and they had a deficit at, at that. Yeah. Do you think that the gap could be coming closer from these small teams to the big teams? It definitely has. I mean, I think if anything, this season has been absolutely. The best, the big winners here are the bookies. I mean, because they've won. They've like, is there ever been a worse season to bet on Premier League football? Yeah, I definitely think it is. I do think it's it's absolutely linked with the with the with the financial deal, with the TV broadcasting deal, because you got teams like Seville and Spain that are getting like fifty million, and then Aston Villa, I think, are, are going to get a hundred million alone from the TV deal, mm. finishing dead last and being one of the worst uh, Premier League teams in history it's actually it's from next season that deal comes in is it yeah which makes it even more painful getting relegated this yeah. year because <laughs> you do not have the uh, you, you don't have this parachute now that could help you pull yourself straight back up Balloon so back it's up. it will be a concern for all the teams in the championship now because they are going to compete be competing after next year with some mega rich teams but coming that means down we can only expect to have see this win I mean, because like even with West Ham, I know it's going to go up mm. again, but it's already gone up incrementally over the over already. Like, would West Ham really get Dimitri Payet or Angelo Egbona years ago? Like, I don't mm. think it would happen. No. But like, those clubs like West Ham wouldn't get those type of players. Carlos Tevez and Mascherano. Well, <laughs> legally they wouldn't get yeah. those type of players. They can borrow them <laughs> in sus- in suspicious circumstances if they want. But uh. Gav, Chelsea, Antonio Conte, we kind of all knew this was coming uh, for quite a while yeah, now. Yeah, I thought we'd actually, this was revealed earlier because we have been talking about it a few times between him and Allegri. Yeah. About similar kind of, mm-hmm. similar types of play to what Jose Mourinho was doing, how they wouldn't need a huge overhaul of the system or financial backing that he wouldn't need to change too much. The question I'm going to ask you is, he left because he wasn't getting enough of a budget to extent to kind of make In the Juventus. squad yeah. yeah basically just said I can't do any more with exactly. this team I am the most successful manager they could possibly have <laughs> do you think he's the right man to be putting cash in the hand uh, well it remains to be seen how he'll spend it yeah because I think he has a good chance with Italy in the summer as well but then again you don't pick your international <laughs> players based on their financial values like you know you but um, no, that's I suppose that's one question mark you're going to put over him. But to be honest, I don't, I can't see him investing a huge amount of money or needing to invest he a huge amount he, of money he, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he will. Um, there's question marks over your who your main striker is going to be next next season because it does look like Diego Costa is weighing up anyway. Going back to La Liga, not that he'd be a huge miss because of the amount of games that he misses anyway, yeah. or you know. But um, who would you fancy yourself to fill that role, or who do you? In, in the attack who Conte would reasonably bring in <laughs> just for my own per- personal preference I think Harry Kane is the fifth for Chelsea I think he <laughs> no I, I no, genuinely no, 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 I, think, I just don't think he's going oh no no I, yeah. I think he's going to leave from Spurs at one stage I think he will if we're going to talk realistically though say where he'll probably be bringing in a striker from maybe 
from Italy. Yeah. Whether an international or a player within there. It is a it is a it's gonna bring Balotelli. Um no because <laughs> that works so well. Or would you root out Pogba? He's probably city bound if he was gonna go yeah, anywhere. Pogba but has been kind of him and hawing for the past midfielder, few couple striker, of years. He's a mid- we do need a midfielder though, mm. a centre midfielder. That Matic and Fabregas kind of combination hasn't mm. worked the charm this year. Centre half is more my kind of concern than then I don't think it's going to be a huge overall of, mm. of, of um, players leaving. Um, look, Bertrand has done a fantastic job. I don't think you can put your faith in him, though. But that centre-half partnership is what I'm more concerned about, and I think that's his kind of expertise with this defensive mentality. Well, when you look at what he did with Juventus, and basically, because you've got, say, Cahill and Terry in mm-hmm. centre-half positions now, but at the same time at Juventus, people were kind of saying, you know, Chiellini and Benucci, they're not, mm-hmm. they're not really up to it anymore. Do you think there's a chance that he could just change Terry and Cahill well Terry could be is probably leaving at could the end he teach of the, the new dog the old dog's new tricks if um, you know. well there was also talk um, one of the Sky Italian journalists his name escapes me he said that uh, there's a decent chance that he could change it up to a 5-3-2 five, five, formation mm. or 5-4 you know yeah that kind of that kind of that kind of thing that he's he was kind of uh, experimenting with uh, Juventus back back in the day but uh I don't think that's English football. Liverpool have kind of experimented. Remember, they had um, Marco, um, what's his name, uh, on the on the right right kind of wing back that wasn't really his game. Uh, I think you have to have four at the back. It's not going to mm-hmm. work here. That f- the football is completely different to what it is in Italy. Um, I don't think you're going to be teaching Gary Cale to play on the right side of three three centre halves. Um, uh, he he does play four four three three with Italy. I'm 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 pretty mm. certain. So you know what? Maybe we might go back to the Jose four three three in formation wise. Uh, there's so many ifs and buts. If Hazard leaves, if Costa leaves, if, if Terry's going to be leaving, more than likely. Uh, who has uh, Oscar isn't getting his regular game, and mm. that Courtois has said that he's remaining coy on his future. It's really troubling times uh, Hazard. this time. Has Hazard, yes. Well, do you think that you know the likes of Costa, you know Fabregas, and um, will will they stay with this new management? Is this a plus? Is that something that's going to keep them here? Will they want to work with them? Yeah, um, Conte is a proven manager. You know, he's mm. he's brought in these kind of Tevez was a troubled individual for for a while. Pogba was this kind of hidden gem, you know, mm. and he he's turned him into. Tevez into this obedience uh, leader which he wasn't at United he was this brat at City, City. Mm. Um, West Ham uh, he kind of there was kind of a sketchy period for, for all involved there <laughs> but uh, you know <laughs> Fabregas has kind of had a, a bit of a mouth on him Hazard you know as well as the same he's been running his mouth on the media saying if PSG came in it'd be hard for him to turn it down uh, the Terry situation is kind of being handled really poorly by the board Uh I think he's going to put in a level of stability in with the club that uh, we we had last year and we don't have this year that we need again. I think he's the right man in for the job. And uh, does it, does do, you, do you worry with all these transfer rumours about outgoing players that he is going to be quite distracted with the with the Euros going on over the summer that you know yeah, he's not going to have the head start on filling these it's, positions he's got Ireland to worry about I mean he's yeah. got serious problems coming on his doorstep <laughs> Harry Arter to uh, <laughs> to Chelsea I wouldn't mind uh, maybe James McCarthy but, uh, Seamus Coleman but, uh, to replace that donkey Ivanovic but uh, 
Yeah, the tournament's over, I think, the 12th of July. I think that's the final. Yeah. If Italy get that far, you know, they have Ireland to contend with. Mm. We're not. We're seeing it if this is a predetermined thing that they're making the, the knockout stages. I'd be more worried about Belgium, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Belgium, but uh, it's over the 12th of July. Then you have about a month and a, a, month and a bit to, to kind of prepare. To be blatantly honest, I think he's thinking about signings already. I think that... The, they, I think they were talking back in February. Their officials. I think, I think there's been he talks. He just the top of his list. The top of his list are centre halves. John Terry's well, leaving. Um, well, John, for centre forwards even as well. Centre forward. Who who is who is out there? Aubameyang's going well, I was to. I thinking Morata might be might be tempted to try and bring him into Premier League. And then there's also talks as Zlatan wants to do it before he retires. Well, Zlatan yeah. is not Zlatan. In my all right, putting my personal opinion of him aside, he's not. He's he's thirty four, thirty five. You know, mm. like you're just prolonging something that's gonna be, have to be changed anyway. Morata would be absolutely fantastic. Would he leave? Do you he's think gonna... Morata? I don't. I don't know if he go to England. I know there's slight talk of this, but I think he's more inclined to that's go back what, to Spain yeah, if he was going to yeah, go anywhere. Um, like um, he was lowballed by Real Madrid, you know, yeah. and he kind of was and then knocked him out of the Champions League. Exactly, all of a which sudden. was absolutely delightful. Yeah. Higuain, didn't see an absolute meltdown on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. and like even he's he's and Napoli basically. Juventus had a horrible start to the season and they basically came on this miraculous run. I don't think they've lost since November. They, yeah, they, they, they just do what they always do. Really yeah, but Napoli had like an 11 point lead. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And after basically. They're, they're six points behind them. Yeah. And the Higuain just had a meltdown. So I think, does he want to go on now? If it, that's basically, it's like, well, how can I win this? Like, there's no better time to ever get Juventus than basically the start they had to this season. He's had talks of, of uh, England before, Man City, you know. But like, looking at strikers again, Jackson Martinez is gone. You know, mm. he 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 went. Uh, I know he's not a striker, but mm. Levetsi as well. He was talk at Chelsea. There was huge links at Christmas about him. I don't know. It's it's. I think Tibala might be one. I'd love him because he was I, he was very much brought through the ranks by Conte. As he well. is an absolutely fabulous player. Um, he's been Messi has all the superlatives in the world mm. to describe him. Does he suit Chelsea though? He seems he'd probably be quite loyal to Juventus, but if you're gonna pick kind of one player who you know for the future, yes. Yeah, I think if Hazard stays and gets back to form. Imagine that Diabala. <laughs> he's an animal. Though. He's an absolute. And if Pedro gets going, because he's he's had a few decent games lately. I know it's against Aston Villa. And no offense, but Newcastle, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it. But yeah, you did. You know, <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, didn't win in St James. <laughs> yeah, you threw away a two goal lead, uh, Gav. But um, uh, moving, moving swiftly on. We have to talk Leicester now. It, oh, okay. Is it a done deal? Can we just kind of um, what if what if we just take last week's podcast right and we just play <laughs> that again? Yeah, or the week before without right, naming yeah. uh, without naming their game against Southampton as one of their next fixtures. <laughs> yeah. Is it a done deal? Oh, it's no, it's it's not a done deal. It's not over till the fat lady sings. And if you were a hardcore Leicester City fan, you you were you're not going to believe it until. It's mathematically possible, really. Yeah, I know. It's until Gary ne- until Gary Lineker is sitting on match of the day wearing just his just his jocks, I don't think it's gonna feel real. Though. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I think it's it's yeah, it's more or less, isn't it? Like it's it's four games to go. They're probably gonna get they're gonna play Sunderland and Swansea. So you gotta imagine this, and they're gonna play Sunderland next week. Um, so I can imagine they'll probably get a win there. Probably get a win against Swansea, and they gotta get two wins from 
one of the four of I think West Ham, Everton, Chelsea, and United. So they could probably get two. But then that means Tottenham's also going to win all their games. So you'd think so. I mean, stranger things have happened. Liverpool famously dropped eight point lead with, with five games to go. So I mean, they can just they can easily lose it just as much as they can win it. But what about the captain Morgan? I don't. I think I think Captain Morgan should actually get in on this Leicester because <laughs> they mentioned it right at the end. Advertising, of the yeah, and he's been absolutely phenomenal. I think Harry Redknapp is only after realizing that he's not eligible to play for England. Twenty-five <laughs> Jamaican caps. How impressed have you been, Gav, of how they've changed from a winning three-two mentality to scraping one-nil wins? Today we have scored more than you. From, the, yeah, from even that. last even the five three Manchester United. You exactly. couldn't picture them pulling off something like that. Uh, you know me, I love a good clean sheet. Really, it's <laughs> one of the most underappreciated things. But yeah. Jesus, it's I. It's really hard because every season or every game you're looking at Leicester now and they're just scraping these one nil wins. And it you're just wondering are they lucky or are they just really professional? Because they had a so haven't had a lot of chances and to score equalisers and a, 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 a penalty. penalty. But it. I don't know. They're just they're pulling through now because they've got <laughs> it's four games in a row. Like so, it's four out of their last five. Actually, five out of their last six games have been one 0 wins. But it's not even a really surprise anymore because if you look at the season, they literally have some of the best players in the league. Yeah, like mm. between Mares, Kante, Vardy. But they're kind of they're all players that have only kind of proven themselves as some of the best players in the league as the season's progressed. It's not like we they looked have, at them yeah. in September and went, "Wow, look at that squad." Yeah, look at Mares. But like, it isn't it, a f- like it isn't a fluke either. Like they're scoring goals for their international sides as well. They're playing yeah. phenomenal football. Um, even Pae for West Ham, sure he he had a terrific uh, two games with 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 France. You know, yeah. so like Ranieri's turned Danny Simpson. I'm not gonna say he's the best defender in the league, but he's definitely a lot better than mm. what he was a couple of years ago. Be- be- before I move on to Champions League football, that just end my my ending question on Premier League. We say you know that really good players in England wouldn't get a look in, in you know great teams Bayern Munich. PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, but if they're doing this in this league and then they're scoring for their international sides, do you think maybe maybe if another year or two of you know proving their worth, do you think that other t- other big teams are going to come in and swoop them up? I, th- I think they might swoop them up. Is it a case of will they acclimatize? Yeah. You look at the difficulty that Gareth Bale may have had even like getting on with some of the players. I mean. There was no doubt that Real Madrid wanted him, but you know the the stuttering that he did early Even on. The fans didn't exactly. take him. Yeah, so um, I think you know if likes of Vardy in particular, or even Kane, yeah. who are taking their club form and performing on the international stage with it, which is phenomenal. I definitely think there'll be interest because you look at the likes of PSG, you know Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, there'll definitely be interest, but. Will it be a case of will they carry over? Will they be able to perform in those situations as well? Yeah, I can imagine that Leicester boardroom is going to be very busy this off season because they're just going to have to be throwing new contracts at everyone. As yeah. soon as they get that money for winning the league and getting their Champions League, they can fund it though now. They can fund it. They yeah. can keep mm. those players. You know, and why would you leave Leicester? You're, you're part of the best story in the last twenty, probably since Blackburn Rovers. To be honest, if you're another team looking at Leicester's success, like, are you going to be really looking at? Oh, let's just sign all their players. I mean. You know that saying, give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or teach him, learn to fish and feed yourself for life. I mean, they should really be looking at the scouting networks and the training regimes more oh, than they yeah. should be looking at the individual players here who, you know, they could waste, a, like, not I mean, waste a lot of money. They could spend a lot of money on buying players like Kante Varde and uh, Mares and have some really good players for however long their careers, or they could just invest this money into some kind of system 
that mirrors what Leicester are doing at the moment. And but then look at Liverpool San Suarez, you know, which is like <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could say that as well. It depends. But you can say it's a fl- like okay, you could say Suarez is just one brilliant player that Liverpool have signed, but Leicester just seemed to yeah, blow knocked it out of the park all over the all over in eleven positions this year. Players like Danny Drinkwater, Mark Albrighton, Wes Morgan, even you know they were always decent decent players but now they're part of a team which have this ethos and mentality and, and structure that you know they're playing for each other C- Kante has what's mm. what's the meme uh, 70% of the world is covered by water <laughs> the rest the rest 30% is covered by N'Golo Kante <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's it's true though you know they're, they're, I've never seen a team work so hard um you know, but sure, I remember but you a few weeks ago or a while ago. Anyway, we were talking about Danny Simpson about some other story about him. I don't know, penny pinching or parking a car or doing community yeah. service or something. And you said to me, "Did you rate him at Newcastle?" And I said, "I barely even remember him playing for Newcastle. <laughs> he was that unremarkable mm. for them." Like, and it's mad how I don't know what's changed. Now. He's top of the league and he's playing brilliantly. But what's what's going on at Leicester that's inspiring all these people to do this though? hopefully it's not linked to our Oops. earlier chat <laughs> <laughs> let's, finally let's move on to Champions League we'll start with tonight Gav um, as a man who loves a stingy defence can Atletico <laughs> Madrid give Barcelona the 1-2 Madrid treatment um, they haven't in 6 attempts now but I think it's the Champions League they're going to absolutely go for it I think everybody conceded that Barcelona is going to win the league leaving Atletico to really chase this door and luckily for them Diego Godin is back in for tonight after yeah. missing the weekend and he is probably going to be the most crucial thing to their chances in getting a result in Camp Nou because they are a lot better defensively with him in the squad than without um, other than that, like, you're, are you going to go to Camp Nou and keep a clean sheet? It's incredibly are you, unlikely. Are Atletico Madrid going to go to Camp Nou and not get a red card because they've had a real, mm. real disciplinary issue the last few times that they've played Barcelona? Remember, was it Mario Suarez threw a boot at uh, one of the <laughs> one of the coaches or something at the halftime whistle or something, something along those lines? Uh, no, well. <laughs> That's a hard one. That's a hard one to know now. I think. Look, they'll they'd even take a two-one loss. I'd say and they try need a to. Goal. They need the goal, and it's it's an area they're struggling. I mean, over two legs against uh, PSV Eindhoven, they didn't they didn't manage that goal. But again, their defensive pro- prowess has just completely got them through that game till they got to the shootout where they kept their cool. Um, yeah, Mandzukic is probably their their best chance of scoring a goal but he's Griezmann. you know he's Griezmann and Griezmann as well, as well I mean strong in the header Griezmann's good with his feet they have been a nice pairing together but for something's happening lately that they're it's just not quite as prolific as it should be yeah because they, they they lost to I think it was Granada or mm. it was someone maybe two or yeah. three, three, three weeks ago or was it Sporting Gijon yeah um, oh, hang on lads there's, if there's one player that's going to get a goal in uh, the new camp has to be Fernando Torres well, I'd probably go for Godin if anything I don't think they're going to have their attacking players pushing on that much I mean it's it's going to be the same as any away team that ever goes to Camp Nou or similar to any kind of away team in the Champions but League you just have to sit back soak up the pressure and then hope that one of your centre backs gets his head on the ball from a corner yeah or you get the runaway Torres I mean Gary Neville's out of a job <laughs> at the moment so maybe we can get him all he's still in Spain though get him up the road put him in the commentary box get Torres on the ball one answer Bayern Munich Benfica just one answer yes they're going through yeah, look, look. Yeah, are we going to bother with that? Huh? Okay. Will we really be too bothered with it? Yeah. Uh, Man City going to ho- wave the flag into the semi-finals against PSG. Is the first leg in Paris? It is. It's in Paris. Yeah, they'll take a draw, I suppose. Get a, just get a goal. Like on. a Chelsea kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Oh yeah. No. 
and Real Madrid away to Wolfsburg, who have you know they've been surprising. You know they bet United. Uh, what, what do you what do you think? I think Real Madrid will eventually go through. Wolfsburg will give them a scare. I'm going to say almost like a not a carbon copy of what Schalke did last year, but you know it's just maybe they'll roar to like a four, four three or four nil win in Wolfsburg. Then they'll take it to the Bernabeu and they'll just have a horrible <laughs> performance where they nearly almost threw it away but didn't. Same with you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's all we have time for in our podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be here at the same time next week. Thank you. Thank you. I will love it if we Alpha, 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 Alpha,